live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Uh, coming up in about 20 minutes, our friend Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, a Northwestern grad and a three-time Jeopardy champion, will join us on the NFL and also take a look ahead to Iowa Northwestern this week. But right now, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy this time each and every Wednesday. Cap Trenton Ken, as always, Cap, good to speak with you. How are you? I am wonderful. The sun is shining here in Chicago and done with radio for the day. I don't have any TV responsibilities today other than a Facebook live show, so it's going to chill out this afternoon. Yeah, you can't beat that, Cap. Well, uh, baseball has come and gone. It's over. We'll get to the Bears in a second. Just uh, just your your thoughts on... On how Major League Baseball pulled off for the most part, uh, I think all but two teams playing 60 games and then the playoffs unfolding the way they did, the rule changes that came in, and until last night had been unable, or had been able rather, to avoid a COVID situation. Uh, I thought baseball, uh, was, um, was terrific. I really did. I liked the changes, but I want to get your take. I loved it. You know, it's my favorite sport. I mean, I you know got into this business because of my coaching and scouting background in basketball, but the sport that courses through my veins, makes my heart palpitate, is baseball. I love the game. Like, I'll watch any baseball game. I don't care who's playing. I love my Cubs, of course. But I thought prior to last night, they navigated through a pandemic about as well as they could do it. I thought teams... You know, a couple of hiccups, of course, the Marlins and the Cardinals. But other than that, you saw 98% of the industry was able to navigate this really successfully. And then to find out that Justin Turner was pulled for a positive test and then was back on the field taking his mask off to do the picture, it just sends a really, sends a, a really bad example for everyone watching. Well, why can that guy be out there celebrating and we can't go eat in a restaurant or we can't go to the health club or whatever the case may be? I thought it was exceptionally callous, arrogant, whatever you want to call it. And then I read this morning that two MLB security officers went on the field in masks and asked him to leave the field, and he said no. I just thought it was ludicrous. That's tough. I mean... Do you want to see a player physically removed from the field? I mean, what a bad look that would be. The security guys did what they could. I know a lot of people are pointing the finger at Manfred. Ultimately, it comes down to Justin Turner and the personal responsibility for him. I think a lot more arrows are going different directions that should be heading to Turner, but that's my perspective. Certainly Kevin Cash is getting a lot thrown his way when we go back to the field and what happened there. How are you, Cappy? We talk a lot of baseball with you. I know you like numbers. I know you like talking about that side of it. But when it gets to the analytics, third time through the order for a starting pitcher, how deep do you like to go? And in circumstances, how big of a factor is that to you? 
Um, it's a great question because as you watch that thing unfold, look, the Rays would not be there last night. They wouldn't have been there if they didn't rely on their process, their plan. And a lot of that relies on analytics and numbers telling them, hey, man, third time through the order, this guy's batting average again goes from 170 to 190 to 290. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know, well, you probably don't want him to face a really good team, the Dodgers, and Mookie Betts and Corey Seager and Justin Turner and all these guys the third time through the order. Now, me, old school, that guy's stealing. I mean, he's filthy. I would like to see him, you know, keep pitching. He wanted to keep pitching. Kevin Cash will say to you, look, we do things this way here. This is how we do it. It's worked pretty well. It's gotten us to game six of the World Series. My response to him would be, I get that in the middle of August or September or whatever it might be. But I had two sources last night that told me that was a bad decision before the Dodgers tied it and then took the lead and then won it. My right eye and my left eye, they told me this guy is a big game pitcher and he's amped up and he's ready to go. Now, if you go back through his game log, for people that are questioning the decision, you go back over the last three, four seasons and tell me how many times that guy's pitching eight, nine innings. He doesn't. It's not happening. No. And so I understand where Kevin Cash was coming from. But again, had I been the manager, even if I had that part of my process, here's how we're doing it. You told me he put two men on and he's gone to 2-0 and on the next guy. Then yank him. Velocity's down forma. Yank him. He gave up a hit and we're out. Yeah, I thought that was ludicrous. But I also thought it was ludicrous to pull Kyle Hendricks in game seven at 63 pitches. When he was dealing, Joe Madden and I had dinner, and he tried to be emphatic. Here's why I did it. Still didn't make it right. Hmm. David Kaplan uh, brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Cap, let's get to the Bears. I'm assuming, uh, well, let me ask you, was today any different than the day after? Have Bears fans crawling back off the ledge, or are they still hot under the collar uh, for the way the game unfolded, Uh, especially when you put in Brian Greasy's comments on uh, talking about uh, the conversation in a production meeting that he had had with Foles, and apparently Foles saying that he knows this play isn't going to work when the uh, play uh, is signaled into him or called into him in his headset. Um, is Nagy getting the most of the arrows? Who has to go, Cap, according to your callers uh, on ESPN 1000? So here's the question that we asked, and I can let you guys answer just like we had literally, we have 10 lines on our show from 7 a.m. till 10 yesterday. All 10 lines were lit. Today, 7 to 10, all 10 lines were lit. I mean, people are lining up on the phone before we come on the air. That's how fired up the fan base is. So here was the question. Do the Bears have a problem of play calling, a problem of not utilizing the personnel on the roster correctly, or is it a talent acquisition problem by Ryan Pace on the offensive side of the ball? So I'll ask you, Ken, Trent, how do you answer that? Trent's the Bears fan. You go first. I think it is I think it's the way C. the team is built, yes. The offensive line, though Daniels was playing much better here at the beginning of the season we saw, 
he gets injured. The depth isn't there. The tackles are at best adequate. That offensive line, it's continued to be an issue. That's a problem. And Mooney can be a playmaker, mm-hmm. I think. But what else? Alan so Robinson, can Cole Komet. And we only saw him twice. And we've only seen him a few right. different times. I just, I don't like the way this team was built more than anything. So for me, it comes back to pace. Yeah, I'm with you, Cap. The fact that there's, I mean, it's David Montgomery, who's a good player, I think, as we talked last week, uh, maybe not the player that a lot of folks here, um, just to the north of us, where I, in Story County, hoped that he would turn out to be, um, I, I, I just don't think they have the personnel, Cap. It's, 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 it's a combination of things. Take the easy way out. Okay. Okay, so now let me tell you what my opinion is on this, which is where we started. Okay, Raheem Mostert, well, he's now injured, but he was playing his tail off the last two seasons in San Francisco. Oh, well, he was on the Bears roster and couldn't get on the field. Um, their starting offensive line is banged up in San Francisco. They had an undrafted rookie, or a second-year guy, undrafted, that they picked up named Jeff Wilson. He, they ran combined for 196 yards the other day. They have a guy out of the American Football Alliance starting at one spot on the O-line. And guess who their center is? Baronis Grassou, who we drafted in the third round, said he was a bust and released him, couldn't play. And now he's starting on a team that just ran for almost 200 yards. We can keep going around the league. Adam Shaheen, who we released or traded for a conditional pick like a six or a seven, Adam Shaheen played seven games in Miami. That's it. They gave him an $8 million extension today with $3.2 million fully guaranteed. Now, that's not enormous money, but the cap's coming down. They've seen that guy for all of seven games, and they went. And that Brian Flores, the coach today, said, we like the work ethic, the guy, and we think he has a chance to be part of us for the next few years. So I ask you again that same question. Hmm. We have a problem in our running game. There's a guy killing it in San Francisco, albeit now injured. He can't get on the field. We've got offensive line. Oh, he's starting for San Francisco, who's a better team than we are, and we're in the Super Bowl last year. And Adam Shaheen, and I can keep going on. There are multiple guys killing it that were here that for some reason, Riley Ridley's a fourth-round pick. We got Ted Ginn who literally needs a walker to get on the field. Yeah. Riley Ridley played at a big program. He's a fourth-round pick. He can't even freaking dress. Demetrius Harris, because you know him from another stop in Kansas City, is getting all these targets. Where the hell is Cole Komet, who you draft in the second round? Then he makes a 38-yard catch, which was awesome, makes another catch the next play, and we don't see him targeted again. So I go back to, much as I love the culture Matt has built, I believe there's more talent there that isn't being used properly. Talking right now with David Kaplan, presented by Centurion Stone of Iowa. They're still five and two, even with all this negativity. They're still five and two, and I think they're still a playoff team. But how do they get to that next step? An ability to to win a game this year, to maybe go on a little bit of run. The defense is still good. What more can be done to unlock that and go from? Hey, you're the six or seven seed and going to get clubbed in the first round to, to win a game or two in the playoffs. Well, here's another thing. So the Baltimore Ravens are struggling offensively, especially in the past game. So what they do? They went out and they gave Brian. Brian a contract to be on their practice squad. Because this year with COVID, 
you don't have to be a rookie or a second-year guy. You can be 100 years old. They can put you on the practice squad. Let's see what he's got left. How old do you think Des Bryant is? Uh, 20. 29. That's exactly where I was going. Yeah, he's 31, Des Bryant. So he's not ancient. He's had big-time productivity in Dallas, and then he got hurt in New Orleans. So they bring him in. I saw that Everson Griffin was just traded Mm -hmm. by Dallas. He's obviously up the track. They traded him to Detroit. I saw Snacks Harrison signed in Seattle. We signed a freaking guy who hasn't been in the league for two years to maybe return punts so we can let go of Ted Ginn. Why are we not more active? Well, we like our room. Leonard Fournette, he's available. Now we like our room, so he goes and signs somewhere else in Tampa. Oh, Lady on Belt, now we like our room. And it goes on and on. Adrian Peterson gets released. Yeah, we like our room, so he runs against us in Detroit and runs really well. We don't do enough to improve as we go along. You're telling me you can't take one of your draft picks and call up the Giants who are up the track. Hey, Kevin Zeitler is going to be a free agent. He's 31. He's a starting guard, and he's really good. Yeah, no, we haven't done that. How about Joe Tooney, who's a free agent in New England, 27, a beast of an offensive guard. I don't think they're going to re-sign him. They franchised him this year. We have the cap room for the rest of this year. Why not go see what 27-year-old pro bowler Joe Tooney wants to sign a long-term deal here and trade for him and fix your offensive line problem. I don't understand our lack of aggressiveness. Cap, we'll uh, finish where we started, and that's back to baseball. What's the hot stove league going to look like this year? When will we – I mean, baseball doesn't know when they're going to start. I don't know how clubs are going to allocate their funds, whether it be free agent or making some difficult decisions about saying uh, keeping their own. What's the hot stove league going to look like this year, Cap? I think the teams that are willing to be like a smart investor, like Warren Buffett says, when the market's down, buy, buy, buy. Real estate people that are successful. When the market's down, start adding up all the property that you can accumulate and land. It's smart. Hang on to it. The market will come back. You're going to have some teams, maybe the Cubs, who are going to go, yeah, we got to move money, whatever it takes. I don't care what we get back. Just get that money off the books because we're going to lose over $300 million between this year and next year without fans there and maybe another shortened schedule. So the teams that are going to be willing to say, you know what, we're going to take a shot and acquire that guy or that guy and we'll bite the bullet financially, those teams are going to clean up this offseason. The other teams, they're not going to be able to be very aggressive. Hmm. David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. Cappy, thank you. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Great hit today. Appreciate it. Look forward to it. Always love talking to you guys. As we do, too. Talk to you next week. David Kaplan, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors. Uh, Centurion Stone, Iowa's best selection of stone veneer. If you're in the market for manufacture, manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or interior project any size, Centurion Stone has over 200 color and pattern combinations. Check them out. Their website's terrific. CenturionStoneofIowa.com. Showroom's even better. 55 25 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. So go to the website, get yourself an idea, and then head down to the showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors Cappy. Uh, what did Cappy say to you as a Bears fan? Uh, was he preaching to the choir? Yeah, the trade deadline was interesting, and just the number of players that have gone through there. 
I think a lot of NFL rosters probably have something somewhat similar of guys that end yep. up popping for whatever reason, yep. circumstance, situation, whatever it may be. I think you're going to see that a whole bunch, and you can play that game. But the trade deadline, this team is 5-2. and two. Aggressiveness has not been part of well, the McCaskies, and before that, going back to the Hallises, has not been a big part. What do they need most? I mean, I think quarterback, but probably yeah. O-line. What would you rather have? A B-minus B type of guard or Ryan Fitzpatrick? Fitzmagic comes in. Uh, you know what, Trent? He's got something left. No. No. He's got something. I think Because behind that garbage offensive line, he's still going to be terrible. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what... Uh, you where, have to fix the offensive line. I but think where's the Dolphins offensive I mean, I have no idea. There, I'm right there with you. I remember seeing PFF uh, rankings of offensive lines. It was like after week two, and they were like twenty in the twenty somewhere. It wasn't great. Oh boy, I, I just think you have to start offensive line. Foles can be good enough with that defense if the offensive line is above average. Can Trubisky be good enough if no. the offensive line is above it's, it's average? It's over. You got to stop. You got to stop with he Trubisky. Can he can run the awful. football, Trent, when it breaks down, and that's what best offensive lines do. You've got to be a threat to run the football. Foles isn't going anywhere. He isn't going anywhere, and Trubisky's throwing it to the other team. He is a bad quarterback. Yeah. Foles has a Super Bowl ring. Foles yeah, has had... He's getting least, a lot of run out of that Super Bowl ring. He's had flashes. Trubisky... It's over. He had a flash a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. It's over. <laughs> it's gone. It's not coming I, back in Chicago. I don't know if there's a right answer to the question. There's Foles. Can't, there's a Foles and nobody camp. believes in the guy on the team. And, and Trubisky you're talking and about? Trubisky, yes. And they do in Foles still? I think they do. I think there is at least more, more behind Foles than there is Trubisky. Yeah. I think the team's in big trouble, personally. Yeah. I mean, I know we got to 9-7 and seven yesterday. Was that even a stretch? I think they can win nine. That's only to asking them to win four more games. And that was with the split against the Vikings, which they very easily could sweep that. Mm-hmm. Boy, Vikings-Packers this weekend, there is no buzz no, for that not game. At all. And that's usually a pretty big mm-hmm. needle mover here locally. Uh, we will talk NFL next with our friend Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. He's coming up. But right now, it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword cash to 200. 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000 cash. To 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. 1125, Vinny Iyer joins Trent and I on the other side. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. This ain't your daddy's sports station. Well, well, it probably is, but you get the point. 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM. This is Des Moines Sports Station. You know this one? I don't. I'm guessing it's Northwest. It is. Not one of the most famous. I just love fight songs, Trent. I'm so glad we get to play them. Yeah. The time there, we wondered if we would. Certainly Big Ten fight songs. Vinny R. indeed is a Northwestern grad. He covers the NFL at SportingNews.com. He's a three-time Jeopardy champion. And he joins us. Vinny, you know that song, do you not? Yeah, it sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to ring in my ears a few times uh, this weekend, uh, I don't think there's a big game at all this week, no. Yeah, not no, at not at all. Hey, I want to go back to a Saturday night. It was on Big Ten Network. It was up against the uh, the primetime game. I spent a lot of time over there knowing that Northwestern was going to play Iowa this week. 
Vinny, I know that a lot of the nation, ah, it was Maryland. You can't take much away from that game. It was Maryland, after all, and they don't have a pulse. My takeaway, Vinny, is I think Northwestern has solved their quarterback tro- uh, uh, problem, and they clearly had one. I thought they could run the ball better last year with Bowser, uh, who had a little bit of a disappointing year. I know injuries were involved, but boy, Peyton Ramsey, at least for one night, looks as though he's the answer to the quarterback trouble uh, that plagued them. Yeah, when you look at it overall, I mean, they had to make the change to the offensive coordinator. It happened naturally, and they get uh, Mike Bajakin from uh, Boston College. And you see, look at his offenses. They're very run-oriented. They're very quarterback-friendly because of that, where there's a lot of motion, play action, and uh, being able to throw the ball downfield. And they have a good stable of backs, so that's good to approach it that way. Good mix between Isaiah Bowser and uh, Drake Anderson, so... Yeah, it was good to see. I mean, this team just couldn't buy a yard last year offensively. Now they came in bunches. So I don't care if you were running against open space. I mean, to put up those type of numbers like that and do it with such big play ease and then also have good special teams. So when you did score, you could uh, kick the field goals from a long distance. A lot of confidence there. And maybe their pressure's off. And uh, definitely having in a guy like Ramsey with actual experience versus Hunter Johnson who – had some promise, but this is a guy that started in the Big Ten. He knows how to get things done, and that's uh, what you saw in that game. Rivalry game, that, that gets thrown out more from the Northwestern perspective. Iowa border rivalries with Minnesota and Wisconsin and Illinois and Nebraska. Kind of depends on what part of the state you're in, which is most important. But Northwestern, how do they view this Iowa game? And I've heard Mike Greenberg for years talk about, now when he was a student, Northwestern was awful, and to be Iowa, beating him by 60 points. But how this is viewed from a Northwestern perspective, this game? Well, I think it started uh, with Gary Barnett and Hayden Fry, for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> they wanted that game more than anything else when they turned it around in the Rose Bowl season. There were just some comments that, uh, that maybe rubbed uh, Barnett the wrong way, and of course... Pat Fitzgerald was in the center of that for Gary's team, so I think that's lingered for this long. And then they happen to be playing a lot of key games with a lot at stake. They've had some unpredictable wild results from time to time. And you've also had the Cats recently clinch a Big Ten West crown on that field. So there's that from two years ago that added to this rivalry when the Hawkeyes had a pretty good team. So now you come in uh, as, I think, three-and-a-half-point underdog, so pretty much a pick game in this one. So it should be interesting, especially with uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin having a little bit yeah. of trouble here that this uh, West division might be a little bit open. Yeah, I agree with you, Vinny. Um, yeah, with Wisconsin, it looks like they'll have to miss two games. I don't know how in the world they would be ready to play Purdue in 48 hours. That's assuming that after seven days that the numbers are coming down. And as we know, Wisconsin is one of those states that uh, is really struggling right now. So let's get to the NFL, Vinny. That's where uh, you cover the uh, the NFL for the sporting news. You know, as we, as we look at the NFC, I don't think it's crazy to think that there's a chance any Anyways, that uh, all four of the teams in the NFC West find a way into the playoffs. I don't know how you separate them. I really don't. The Niners, injury-plagued, but they've turned it around last couple of weeks. The Rams look really good against the Bears. Arizona, uh, is their, their arrow is pointing up, and Seattle's still Seattle. That's a hell of a division, Vinny. Yeah, and definitely having that extra playoff spot is going to benefit a division like that when you look at I think the key is, are the Bears going to hold up here behind the Packers? Because everyone doesn't see that happening at this point with the schedule the Bears have coming up. 
that could be a lot of trouble for them to kind of build this under Matt Nagy. So what do you have there? Then you have the Packers. You got uh, the whole NFC West. You look in the South. You're probably looking at two teams there with the Saints and Bucks. Probably but the yeah, there's there. definitely an opening elsewhere to get a team when we know that uh, the East is only going to have one team. That's whoever wins the division. So yeah, there's an opening for sure. I thought the Vikings would be better. I thought the Cowboys would be better. So those are two teams out of the mix. And I think uh, that definitely opens the door for the Rams and Cardinals, who we thought might be a little down because of the 49ers and Seahawks. But now everyone can win this division. It's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, this is also a factor in why the NFC East is bad, that they're playing the two toughest divisions in football this year that happen to be the NFC West and the AFC North. So sometimes it's the luck of the draw where one division benefits from a weak one and the other one really is hurt by playing a hard one, and that's what's happening with the West as well. Vinny, a couple of wide receivers in the headlines as Antonio Brown makes his way to Tampa. Des Bryant signs with Baltimore on the practice squad with the Ravens. Who's more impactful for the year, and who do you give a better shot of actually being on the playoff roster for either of those teams? Mm. Well, Antonio Brown, I think, has some value right now, especially with Chris Godwin hurt. I don't think, however, that Brown's going to be in this for the the game that Godwin's going to miss against the Giants. So they do have some injuries, I think, these guys are Mike Evans, Godwin again with a new injury with a finger. He's going to miss a game. Scotty Miller. These guys are hurt more than I think we've been led on by the Bucks. So they need some depth here. That's why he made it clear to Bruce Arians that said, we're not going to worry about snap counts and targets here. We just need some depth. The Bucks are giving Brown an outlet that he probably wouldn't have gotten in many other teams other than maybe Seattle. But So I, I think that's the whole premise here is that you're going to be maybe a role player and see limited snaps and help us with depth. And if he can accept that, it'll work out. But we know Antonio Brown is a wild card. We don't know if he can accept that. So we have to see. They have a late bye week, so these uh, wide receivers are not going to get that extra week of rest for a while. So I can see all that factoring in. I think with the Ravens, does Bryant a flyer. I mean, they don't really have a reliable number two receiver right now. Really, Marquise Brown is just basically a deep threat as a number one receiver. So you got to get something in there to maybe help you. But I, I expect uh, the Ravens will go in a different direction immediately. And I think looking at uh, Devin Duvernay and just putting two speedsters out there and see what they can do. Mm. Uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News covers the NFL for the Sporting News is our guest. Vinny, what, do, what if anything did we learn last week from, at the time, a couple of unbeatens, Tennessee and Pittsburgh, uh, facing each other. Pittsburgh would uh, remain unbeaten, three-point win there. Either of those teams, uh, let me put it this way, how big is the gap, if at all, between the Chiefs and whoever we think is the second-best team in the AFC? Well, I think we saw what the Chiefs did to the Ravens, and that was not close. And I think they just controlled things there. And I think you look at the Steelers, and I wrote this for Sporting News, I don't really like the Steelers and the way they match up against the Chiefs. If you recall a couple years ago during the Mahomes breakout season, he just destroyed that defense. And the defense is pretty similar, except their corners are a little longer than the tooth and less effective this year. So I think the problem is when you're building your team on the pass rush, you've got to keep finishing and you've got to back it up with some turnovers. If you don't get that, and you saw the Titans creep into the game with some big plays and being able to pass, uh, you expect the Steelers with the pass rush to shut down teams when uh, they're ahead. But that's not the case necessarily with Pittsburgh. So, yeah, I just feel more and more like the Chiefs, the way their defensive momentum is going. I know they had a little hiccup against the Raiders that was – 
unusual, giving up a lot of big plays in that game. But overall, I think the Chiefs are the most reliable overall when you think about every facet of their team, offensively and defensively. So these two teams have a long way. I think the Steelers are making their case to be the second-best team and probably are right now in the AFC. But I think they could get a bit of a wake-up call against the Ravens. And I, I think when you look overall fundamentally, I think the Ravens probably have the better defense, especially with now that uh, Jacksonville combo of uh, Kelly Campbell and Anik Igakwe on this team. Under the radar at times, the Browns are 5-2. and two. Maybe argue who's a worse 5-2 and two team, the Bears or the Browns. But for this conversation... Are they finally going to get to the playoffs just the second time since they were reincarnated as an expansion team? Do you feel at the very least this is a playoff team in the AFC? Well, for sure. If you look at it quick, you look at the, Bill, you look at the Bills, Steelers, and Ravens, who are uh, probably the Titans, there's four teams right there. So that, then there's an opening, right? After you get to the division winner, the Chiefs, you have two openings there. So you can manipulate this uh, – kind of schedule to their favor. And this is a big game, Browns and Raiders. Yeah. This could determine the wild card in the end for that uh, seventh or sixth spot. Maybe both of these teams will get in. But I actually think it's a tough game for the Browns. The Raiders are tricky. They are a good overall offense. They don't make too many mistakes. The Browns have a lot of defensive holes. So it should be an interesting one. I think this is a basically a coin flip game between Baker Mayfield and uh, Derek Carr. But a lot at stake here. If they win this game, and get to 6-2 and two and the, drop the Raiders a little further back in the standings, then you feel really good about the Browns' playoff chances. But if they lose this, there's a bit of an opening. But right now, you look at teams out there. I mean, New England, you feel great about them. Do you feel great about Indianapolis, really, with their record? So there's definitely opportunities here for the Browns to uh, really take control of the wild card spot, even though they're, they're probably going to be buried in third place in the AFC North. Uh, Vinny Iyer, I guess a couple more minutes. We talked a lot about a lot of good football teams. The J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets are not one of those. Uh, Vinny, I think there's a really good chance that they don't win a game. Maybe they've got two left against the Patriots, as crazy as this is to say. Maybe it's the Patriots that uh, they that they pick off. Um, Vinny, might might this team go on um, uh, winless this season? I mean... This was their best chance last week. I mean, they kept the Bills out of the end zone. So they're showing a little bit more fight. They're not going to beat the Chiefs this week. We know that. Maybe they'll get the Dolphins in the second matchup with Tua in there and uh, get that win secured. But, yeah, there's no real good chance for wins here. I mean, I talked about crossing over to the NFC West. This division yeah. also had to do it. The two East had to play the two West, and that didn't help this season for either of those divisions. So, I, I just don't see where that Jets win is going to come from. Maybe the Chargers in a close game will kind of uh, let the Jets linger around and let them steal it. But I don't know where it's coming. And I don't know. It's interesting to watch now where you look at uh, Trevor Lawrence and him hedging his bets about is he going to come back to Clemson. You wonder <laughs> if this is in the back of his mind. Yeah. It's already speculation. So it's going to be interesting down the stretch. But – Again, all it takes is one win, and it can change the whole perspective because there are a lot of other one-win teams that uh, might end up stealing that first pick uh, from the from the Jets. Uh, my last thing for you, Vinny, uh, you watched a lot of uh, Cam Newton in his career from your outpost. Um, he was benched last week. He has not looked great. He's had his moments. 
uh, but not as many of them as I think Patriots fans hoped that they were going to saw. What's the difference from the Cam Newton that you watched in his prime, or certainly at his peak uh, in the NFL, to the one you're seeing now? Well, I think the biggest thing is he had help. I mean, that, he's got to have help. And that's every quarterback really needs to have some kind of help. And you look at who they're trotting out there. I mean, Julian Edelman looks all of a sudden really old. He looked very good last year, but now he's slowed down. Nikhil Harry hasn't been that good. Now he's hurt. You have Demir Bird and uh, Jacoby Myers. You have two rookie tight ends in there. Your offensive line is uh, breaking down. There's not much help left for Cam Newton on his team. And then who knows who's running the ball with him from week in and week out. He's catching balls out of the backfield. That seems to be ambiguous. It's just a strange, strange thing to see at the Panthers. They seem very disconnected. They don't seem kind of organized as they usually are, and that's why they've lost uh, three straight games for the first time in 18 years. So I don't know what to make of this Patriots team. And this offense, I never thought it was going to be this bad without Tom Brady, but maybe uh, we owe Tom Brady a little bit more credit even than than we imagined here as the uh, GOAT QB with six rings. Tua gets the start for Miami after the bye week for the Dolphins. They're 3-3. Three and three. They get Aaron Donald and the Rams coming to town. But very interesting, short week for the Rams. Have to fly cross-country in order to play this game. And it's also an early kickoff, a noon kickoff for this one here. What's your expectations, though, for Tua? Yeah, this is not a good matchup for Tua for your first NFL <laughs> right. start. I mean, it's just not good because I think... Maybe the Dolphins' offensive line issues have been masked a little bit because Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the ball out quickly. They've made sure to do that. But Tua's going to hold it, looking for some big plays. And what's going to happen in this game is Devontae Parker is going to see Jalen Ramsey, mm. who's top reliable target that's going to be out of the game. Then you have Aaron Donald coming at him at different angles. And keep in mind their protection will also shift because you have left-handed quarterback. And it changes the way you approach uh, the Rams' defense this week. So maybe Aaron Donald finds a different kind of crease and gets out of the blind side from a different angle. So there's a lot to be worried about in this matchup. The Rams defense is on fire here. Brandon Staley is a rising star here, their defensive coordinator. So Tua, I think he'll settle down and make some plays here at some point. But, again, Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing at a rather high level for them. So there's going to be a drop-off. And I think the Dolphins seem to be okay with the fact that if Tua takes his lumps and we fall out of the playoff race, that's fine. But – I think they're looking to say, okay, that's going to make only two a better for 2021. Uh, and Vinny, last thing for you, Northwestern 1-0. Iowa is looking for their first win. They fall to Purdue week number one. Uh, how, who wins this football game, Vinny? Well, I've got to go with the heart and the head. So I'll say this is a dual decision here. I'm going with the Cats to win this game. I just think they looked a lot better in the opener. I know who they were playing, but I don't think Purdue is that great of a team either. So losing to that team, uh, it really puts a lot of questions about Iowa season. What I think about Northwestern is there's something about them that they said, we're not going to let this season get away. we got a season back. We're going to make the most of it. And there's not a lot of programs maybe buying in as much if you look at some of the records across the country. So I just like the motivation of Northwestern here, the pride that's going on, and I think uh, – after Iowa lost, I think it's time to knock them out. Man, Fitzgerald does not like the Hawks, so we know that that uh, <laughs> they get their best shot from uh, Northwestern year after year. Vinny, thank you. Best of luck uh, to your Cats this weekend. Enjoy the football game, and thanks for popping on. Appreciate it.
Right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, good to talk to you. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News and a Northwestern grad. We'll come back. Our final couple of minutes of the program. On the other side of these commercials, I have uh, some numbers from Pro Football Focus. I was looking for some offensive line numbers yes. when we were talking about Miami earlier. They have uh, come out with their ranking of every Big 12 quarterback. Where's Brock Purdy on that list? Ooh, we that's will a find good one. out next. Uh, Miller and Condon, 1460 KX and 010. Straight bourbon whiskey. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hi, welcome back to Miller and Condon. Final couple of minutes of the program. Boy, with the Big Ten trends, I just... There's no wiggle room, man. They had it right initially. Starting in September. Mm Mm-hmm. Multiple bye weeks. Yep. What was it? Basically, ten games over fourteen weeks. Is that what it was? I think that rings or ten a bell. out of fifteen. Whatever. But there were a lot of bye weeks built in there. Yep. And they. I mean, look at all the, the Big Twelve is going to have to use December the twelfth, mm-hmm. right? As their as their week yes. that they can. There's already one game. There. Yeah, it's Baylor and who is Baylor and somebody? Yeah, Oklahoma State maybe. It sounds right. I think it is. All right. So speaking of the Big Twelve, so. This is is this an analytical thing or is this an eyeball thing you're going to lay up? The pro football focus is analytics based, right? It is, yes. So it, let me do it this way. Then we're going to. We went to break talking about they've come out with their rankings of the Big Twelve quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Eyeballs to me say that in no particular order, Rattler, yep, Ellinger, Duggan, no, Sanders. Duggan, I don't like Daggy at West Virginia. Purdy, I'll go five. And number five, you're way off. Oh, geez. All right, so number one is Spencer Rattler. Not a surprise, still, the numbers yep. that he's putting up. And uh, let's see, just some numbers there. No, he's second. Is he really? He's second. See, I don't like him either. See, and I do. And, yeah. and maybe that's where our disconnect with West Virginia is. You love K-State this I week. love K-State. Yeah. I'm getting three and a half. He needs seven. They're raw. <laughs> They're okay. Duggan is three. Yeah, and I can see that too. Boy, Ed Sanders. If he would have played that whole game yeah. against Iowa State, it might have been a different story. Ellinger at four. Okay. Uh, this is the one though that shocked me. At number five, Henry Columbia at Texas. Really? Tech. I haven't seen. He's not ever- the best quarterback on his team. Bowman is right. Now, Bowman's never healthy though. This That's is true. first straight year. He's That's got a good her. point. Sanders at six. Limited. I mean, he's played. To a game and a half. No, a not game, even, not game even in a series. Yes. Against two good defenses. Tulsa's good uh-huh. defense, and of course, Iowa State is one of the best. So, number what s- number are we on right now? We're number now? seven. We're looking at number seven. We still haven't got to Brock Purdy. This is from Pro Football Focus. So, they're like Brewer better than Purdy? How about Will Howard? Really? Will Howard, the true freshman at Kansas State. Here is the write up on Brock Purdy. And number he's eight. eight. Number eight in, in the a Big 10 12. team conference. Uh, 2018 and 19, his passing grade was 87.8 and 100 scale. That's really, really good. From 87.8, those two years, has fallen to 58.1 this mm. year. Downfield accuracy has been abysmal. He's thrown an uncatchable pass 
57% of the times on passes that are 10 yards Do you more. remember the last time Pro Football Focus ripped him? The last week? He mm-hmm. came back and he looked good. That is best of the now year. Now he's got Kansas this week, so I'm not sure what we can read into it. Well, he's going to put up another monster performance. He, and... he misses Tariq Milton. He has no weapons other than Kohler, Hutchinson, Allen, but there's no WR2. He doesn't have that. Not at all. Not when with Milton on the sidelines. Interesting. Eight out of ten. Didn't see it being that bad. Anyways, uh, Murph and Andy coming up at two. The Fanatics at four. Hawks Central tonight at six. And then tomorrow morning, Morning Rush is back at 6 a.m. We're Miller and Condon. We take over weekdays, 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 106.3 FM. We are Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 a.m. And now, 106.3 FM. This